0: Hello and welcome to Show Briefings on Long-Term Thinking, thanks for joining us. I'm Malcolm Borthwick, Editor of Intellectual Capital at Bailey Gifford. What does it take to be a great investor? After nearly four decades of investing, our guest today knows more than most. Charles Padden joined Bailey Gifford in 1983, the same year Margaret Thatcher was re-elected with a landslide before embarking on a radical programme of privatisation and deregulation. Charles started in the UK equities team, was made a partner at 27, founded the Global Alpha Strategy in 2005, and became joint senior partner the following year. The Global Alpha team manages both the Global Alpha Growth Fund and the Monks Investment Trust. Charles retires from Bailey Gifford in May. Before we start the podcast, some important information. Please remember that, as with all investments, your capital is at risk and your income is not guaranteed. And this podcast has been recorded during COVID 19. So Charles and I are both at home, as opposed to in the usual Edinburgh studio. Charles, you started at Bailey Gifford on Monday, the 5th of September,
1: 1983. Do you remember your first day? I remember elements of it. It was was my first day working in office, so quite memorable. I remember being very keen, and I think I turned up about an hour before I was supposed to, which caused some confusion in reception, because no one knew who I was. And uh, what else do I remember? I remember it may not have been the very first day. I remember being given my sort of office kit, which included a slide rule, which is something I'd forgotten about until (laughs) recently when I was thinking. And of course, this was the day before, you know, handheld calculators. So a slide rule was how we did our multiplication, division, and particularly compound growth rates. So that was all quite fun. But it was, it was, the slide rule, I think, summed it up. It was a very old-fashioned, almost Dickensian atmosphere.
0: And why did you choose Bailey Gifford?
1: Well, I had a master plan, which was that I was going to move to London and go work for one of the big merchant banks there. And I thought, well, the way to get on there is to have a proper grounding in investment markets. So I thought two years' training as an investment analyst would be the best possible training for advising the titans of industry you know what to do and so when i I looked into it, I discovered rather to my surprise because i I have no connection with Edinburgh at all that the best training you could get in stock markets and in company analysis was done by a number of the Scottish firms that were there were sort of half a dozen firms around Edinburgh and Glasgow at the time, and that they gave the best the best grounding. And I thought, well, Edinburgh's a university city. I had friends still at the university. And it sounded so much better than trying to do the same thing in London. So I came for two years and stayed for 38.
0: So any regrets about not getting into investment banking?
1: <laughs> um, no, none. None whatsoever, as it turned out. And it was never really an option because I was never offered a job in investment banking, although I did. I did try as part of the milk grant. But no, I think everything I've seen and heard about investment banking ever since makes me feel unbelievably lucky that I escaped that.
0: And this is rather an open-ended question, but what's the biggest change you've seen over four decades?
1: A very open question, Malcolm. Thank you. I think the biggest change at an industry level is that investment management has gone from being a rather niche specialist activity to, you know, a mainstream, I mean a huge industry with i think and we think at bailey gifford increasing responsibilities attached it was always the case that in the investment banks it it was sort of where the sleepier more thoughtful people went to work was the investment department and you know the best minds always wanted to do merger and acquisition finance and so on whereas i think the investment management has now really taken the crown away from investment banking so I think there's been two or three separate stages in that. The 1980s and 1990s for us were all about growing into pension funds, defined benefit pension funds. And we were quite successful in that, both in the UK and then as the 90s rolled on in North America. But I think that market had some taught us some bad habits. It taught us to be quite limited in our ambition, to be very risk averse, to be never to stray too far from the benchmark or from our peer group. And it it encouraged a uh, a focus on short-term investment performance, which actually eventually we concluded was detrimental to the client's best interests. So in the early 2000s, if you like, we cast off some of those shackles and we reset at Bailey Gifford on the investment side. And we decided we needed to be more ambitious, more differentiated, less constrained by benchmarks and risk measures. And you know, that, that has actually worked hugely well. So performance over the last 20 years has been on a different level from the previous 20 years. And we've done it largely through grasping, you know, th- through taking risks, but taking conscious risks and well-judged risk rather than running away from risk. And there's been associated with that big internal changes which you know we, we've managed because it's been a, a continuous process. And how
0: would you sum it up in terms of where we are now, Charles?
1: Well, I think now is a very interesting time. And I, I'm tempted to say this, is, this could be our third big reset, uh, equivalent to the move into pensions and then the reset in the early 2000s. Because I think now, and certainly one of the things that drives Betty Gifford, but I hope is also drives the broader industry, Is a move to sort of towards a greater purpose in investment. That all of this, you know, measuring your relative return is a zero sum game, ultimately. For every outperformer, there's an underperformer. And it's not really adding much to the sum of, you know, humanity. Whereas we think investment increasingly has an important role to play in terms of allocating capital to the most deserving, beneficial, helpful sectors you know, of industry, and particularly with the climate crisis that we're facing, the answer is going to be through, you know, companies are going to have to come up with the products and implement them. And we think the investment industry has a major responsibility, a big role in making sure that the capital goes to the right companies that come up with the solutions rather than making the problems worse. So, you know, we, we think that investment certainly in our firm is becoming more purposeful We're on a mission, if you like. We sum it up by what we call actual investing, which is more focusing on the long term, focusing on supporting the right companies and making a positive impact on broader society.
0: And what about Monks Investment Trust, which you've managed since 2015? What's changed with Monks since you've started managing it?
1: so we are long term growth orientated and importantly we we have a diversification a natural attraction to diversification which means that you know we can be a a pretty good stable long term uh, investment trust so over the six years there has been a shift within the portfolio from more cyclical growth towards more uh, what i would call secular growth so mainly in technology focused whether Healthcare or, or you know, internet-driven cloud computing, and then very recently we've begun to consider whether that shift has gone far enough, and we should be returning a little bit back towards maybe some more cyclical recovery stocks as we come out of the uh, pandemic. But the biggest change, so so there has been change in the portfolio, but but you know it's it's evolution, not dramatic. I think where there's been a more dramatic change, and this is is probably is a great source of pride for me and for the team, is that with Monks we've halted the shrinkage of the company. For, for 20 years before we took it on, Monks, every year the number of shares in issue shrank as the company bought in shares and cancelled them. So the trust had more or less halved in the previous 15 years before we got involved. That has changed now. So now the, tr- the shares trade at a small premium to net asset value there is share issuance there 's more demand for monk shares than there is supply of monk shares, so we 've been increasing the supply slightly and it 's growing again, and I think you know that 's been a material shift from for monks, but that 's more a, an outcome than an input.
0: Where next for Global Alpha Fund and monks
1: Well, I think you know where next will almost certainly be be very largely more of the same I mean both global alpha and monks we've got very clear succession plans two thirds of the team that have been looking after the money for the last 10 or 15 years you know remain in post and should be good for at least another 10 years i think the machine will will roll on you no know, change the, the, the team thrives on change we see opportunity in change and transformation so I mean, it's very hard for me to predict where next, but I think more of the same and possibly even better than before would be my My answer.
0: I heard you describing how your investment philosophy had changed. I think it was in an interview with Money Week where you mentioned a great phrase that it was more science fiction than backward looking analysis. (laughs) What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I suppose there's less need for a slide rule these days, maybe. What I was meaning by that was that investment analysis, historically and particularly with us, you know we were very good at analyzing the numbers and dismantling the balance sheet and looking at the cash flows. But of course your your data, what you were looking at, was historic data. It was the last five years' data, and then you know the temptation was to extrapolate forward. Whereas I think part of our being more ambitious with our investment was really a focus that, that our research should be more about the future than the past. It should be about what's going to happen rather than, you know, a microscopic understanding of what has happened. Science fiction is probably the wrong word, but it's imaginative, forward-looking. And it's less based on numbers and more based on, you know, what could happen on bigger shifts in behaviour. Corporate success and so on, so it 's more imaginative and less statistical, I think our approach, our philosophy these days
0: and is that in your view what it takes to be a good investor to be more imaginative well
1: i think i mean in a way, yes, you know th- there used to be a perception that to be a good investor, you needed to be good at the numbers. I think you now do need to be more curious. I mean, the, the catchphrase we use about ourselves is curious, patient, and bold. And certainly, I strongly endorse the first two as being you know, any, any would-be investor needs to be very curious and interested in you know, the world and how companies work and how industries work. And you absolutely need to be patient because this isn't an industry or a career that has short-term paybacks, you know, you, you will be judged over periods of 10 years or more as to whether you know what you're doing. And I suppose the boldness is where this forward-looking, you know, being prepared to imagine, we don't, to, to accept uncertainty. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, but we do think that we can learn enough that we have a pretty good guess at judging what's more likely to happen or less likely to happen.
0: And what would you say is the most important thing that you've learned as an investor?
1: I think that the single most important thing is that you have to be long-term, You know, both your thoughts and your deeds. And you have to, when you're investing in a company, you have to be confident that you know, you'd be happy to own it for five or 10 years and not touch it. I think that's probably the, the single most important thing. As a professional investor, though, I think... I've probably learnt more in the last two years than in the previous, you know, ten or twenty years. And I think part of that is because this this focus on learning and, and getting better has sort of been ratcheted up a couple of notches within Betty Gifford. But the world is, you know, is changing incredibly rapidly and a lot of the old rules that we used to think, you know, worked in investment absolutely clearly don't work anymore so i'm thinking there are things like reversion to the mean or the way the pattern of returns that you know most of the value in in stock markets is driven by a very small proportion of companies and most companies sort of you know will never be exciting investments so you just need to have a absolute focus on trying to find the ones that could be outliers and i think that's a lesson i've learned rather late in my career but I think is, is probably the most important one.
0: Have you got any plans or, or thoughts on retirement in terms of what you're looking forward to doing?
1: No. Yeah. Well, lots of things I'm looking forward to doing. One of the downsides of working 38 years at the same place means you, you, I've never had a period of gardening leave. So my plan is not to do much or think much for the first two or three months. Hopefully, I'll be allowed to get out of the house and maybe even out of the country. So initially, it's going to be a proper break and a holiday. Possibly two areas of interest after that. I mean, one, I would quite like to help You know, one or two smaller companies, probably private companies, to grow and to develop. And secondly, I mean, this is a bit more highfalutin, but... I'm potentially interested in trying to carry on what some of the work we've done at Bailey Gifford, but to help the broader financial sector make a, a stronger contribution to the environmental issues that we're facing. And I do strongly believe that the solution to the environmental crisis will come through new technologies uh, which are likely to be produced by you know, companies and which will need funding. And it may be that there's some sort of a role there I could find. Otherwise, I, I will simply read about it and follow it uh, with interest. Charles, I
0: haven't really been at the firm long by, by your standards, but it's been an absolute pleasure working with you. Um, for someone at the top of the company, I've always found you very humble, approachable, and I've learnt a lot in a short period of time. So thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Malcolm. You can find our podcast short briefings on long-term thinking at baileygifford.com forward slash podcasts or subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify or TuneIn. And if you enjoyed it, please spread the word. And if you'd like to hear more from Charles, you can read an interview with him in Trust magazine where he talks about his seven pillars of investment wisdom. You can read Trust online at baileygifford.com forward slash trust. And many thanks to Lord of the Isles for the music. The track we've used is called Horizon Effect, which was released on permanent vacation. And stay well, we look forward to bringing you more insights in our next podcast.